Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Today, Levi Combs of Planet X Games joins me. We had nothing particular to talk about, so we ramble about a lot of things pertaining to projects, writing, and Exalted Funeral. In the show notes is a link to my Patreon. For the price of $1 a month, you can meet almost 10% of the financial needs of this podcast. We're on a tight ship, whatever that means. Well, I better get this ship out of the harbor, sisters and brothers. It is time to get rambling. Hello, Levi. Hello, sir. It's been a long time. <laughs> well, a couple months for sure. <laughs> I think more than maybe a couple. It's been trying to get you on. We've been having problems getting lined up, I think. The sun, the moon, and the stars just weren't weren't quite uh yeah. quite working. It's like that sometimes. <laughs> So you got stuff happening. You're a happening man. Oh, I am. I'm a happening man. All right. You are a happening man. <laughs> I'll take that. Every every time I look around, there's a new Kickstarter. I'm like, good night. <laughs> like, it, no, I mean, uh, I just like to stay busy. I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of content I want to put out. And I'm I'm really I'm pretty far ahead in uh in, in, in what I've been doing. You know, I have a lot of stuff kind of already banked in, in the can, just waiting on art or a cover or you know, the graphic designer to put it together or whatever. But I've also been doing a lot of work for uh, for other folks. So, um, yeah, we haven't talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> that works out good. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I, you know, at this point, uh, being as busy as I am with my own stuff, um, usually it has to be a project that I, I really want to work on with people that I really want to work on or work with. Um, and it's just like three things came right in a row that I just I could not say no to. <laughs> so, <laughs> well that works out and i think the thing too i mean the more you're out there and the more you do there's the more opportunities there are uh for these types of things to happen yeah i mean that i've had to say no to a couple things but it was only because i just had so much stuff on my plate or it wasn't because i didn't find it interesting or, or or anything it's just uh you know you get to a point where you you know you, if you have too much you're not doing yourself any favors and you're just you're you're dragging down the the other projects because you're spread too thin, you know. Right. It's not like you have a few things you're you're wanting to do a couple of years down the road, and you're just kind of doing a little bit here and there. But people expect something out of you, you know. Yeah. And you've got projects, and you're just like you got to produce. Right. Yeah, so. I got lucky um, because, like I said, I had a lot of I, I banked a lot of things as far as writing goes during the pandemic and after the pandemic, and then we had a, a big move from. Um, California to the East Coast. So during that time, you know, there was, I had a lot of downtime, you know, um, you know, where my wife was at work, my son was, you know, uh, in pre-K and I'm just, you know, just trying to put my time to the best, to best use while trying to find a job. And I just did a lot of writing, just a ton and ton of writing on um, a lot of projects. And I'm fairly disciplined in that manner, you know, where I can sit down and, and, you know, bang it out and go over old stuff. And I can kind of do a bunch of stuff um over the course of a day and not get burnt out so i got i got lucky in, in, in that fashion so how many hours a day are you putting in just the rpg stuff uh anywhere from five to seven uh, sometimes eight but uh, rarely less than five but that's just monday through friday asking them you know obviously the, that's when my get you know, my son uh he's either at daycare or pre-k and my wife's at work she works for the military um she has quite the commute so you know um it's just, you know, just, just trying to get things organized and bank as many things as I can so that, 
there's no gaps in the schedule and I can, I can accommodate those offers when they come in. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the thing too, is you're right. That's an opportunity. Do you, do you write, do you do do a straight like five to seven hours or do you break your day up? Oh no, I break my day up for sure. Um, Like I'll handle like, so like the first thing I do in the morning is I check my email. I I look at my to-do list and I knock off all the easy stuff first, you know, all the small little lingering stuff. Um, maybe I need to, you know, this, this, a backer said they didn't get, you know, uh, Hey, I didn't get a copy of that last, last book. Can you check on it? And I'll send them tracking numbers or, or whatever. Then hit emails, hit Instagram, hit all the social media, hit Twitter. Then once all that's done, I can just go ahead and, uh, maybe if I have something I have to edit or I have to kind of punch up or look at it, do that. And then I'll, you know, I, so I might have like three things like, like right now I'm working on, you know, a, a bunch of different stuff. Um, but I'll, I'll move, like I'll do a couple hours in this project, a couple hours in this project, and then finish off by doing like a strong hour on, on the, on the last project, you know, the way it all kind of stays fresh in my head and I, I don't get bored of anything or worn out on something. So you don't do the, the writing first thing in the morning. No, I, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people do do that. Um, but that's just never been my, uh, I have to get warmed up first, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. I get my coffee in me, man. Maybe get something to eat. You know, listen to a little bit of music. I get it's nice and quiet, and then then I can kind of get into the the headspace where it requires me to be creative. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of interesting how it works for different people. It's a lot of it's just finding your finding the groove. Oh no, for sure. Yeah, because I think for me, I I do enjoy when I wake up for whatever reason. I enjoy that time. I, when I was in, when I was in Northern Ireland, I would, uh, I would a lot of times in the morning have a, a kind of a large breakfast, have a pot of tea, and then go to the coffee shop and drink coffee and write for a few hours, <clears throat> and that was kind of nice. But oh, yeah. get, everybody has their process, man. Yeah, well, I was, what I found though is like at home before I went, I found myself like not during the week, but like on the weekends, like I would wake up at like five thirty or six. I'd pretty much just go down and start working. And so, and then with kind of interesting with work, I mean, and everything else, I kept a pretty tight schedule filling in gaps, but kind of nice, you know, being away, I kind of changed the routine and that I didn't spend quite probably as much time as I didn't get quite as much time writing, but there was a lot more slack time, you know, as far as not trying to fill every moment of the day with, you know, something. Oh yeah. No, there's so many distractions. Like I, I literally have to, I have to turn off my phone or I have to, you know, not, you know, just put it on um, uh, airplane mode or something. Otherwise I'm always checking it. Oh, this person needs this or, Oh, Hey, let me, let me look this up real quick. Cause it kind of has something tangentially to do with what I'm working on. I can't let myself do that. Cause otherwise I completely get derailed, you know, then I'm, I'm, you know, on some sort of like Game of Thrones Wikipedia, you know, looking up some obscure character's history for 30 minutes. And then, well, maybe I should go watch an episode, you know, and then <laughs> I completely derailed myself with, you know, nonsense. So uh, I have to I have to be really disciplined about it and kind of really zero in on a, on a task. But I, I keep it, like I said, I keep it fresh by switching up tasks. Um, like right now I'm working on, uh, I just finished up this thing for Frog God Games, this Halloween themed adventure. Um, and then I have a thing that I just finished up for Exalted Funeral, and I'm working on a um, an adventure for Planet X Games. So I'm just was just divvying, divvying divvying up all those different things, work on one for a little while, move on to the next, and then um, it keeps it fresh enough for me to where I, I said I don't get burnout, I don't get bored, 
and I don't get that kind of glazed over look in my eye when I'm just scanning, you know, <laughs> to page after page, you know? Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder how people are like, I'm sure like Kevin, people like Kevin Crawford, they just, in my mind, they probably sit at the uh, keyboard at eight o'clock in the morning and clickety click, click, click all the way to five o'clock. Some people can do it, man. It's, 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 it's not my way. Like for, for, in order for me to be creative and I'm, this isn't like, I'm not trying to be like, you know, like, I must have these things, you know, it's not, it's nothing like that, but in order for me to kind of be, to get in the zone, to be like, uh, kind of firing all cylinders, it just needs to be quiet. And I just need to not have very many distractions. So when you say quiet, do you listen to music at all? uh, A little, um, most of the time it's just dead quiet, but however, sometimes I find like, especially if I'm at a coffee shop, I'll put in my headphones and I'll, I'll play (laughs) it. This is really weird. I'll play a song over and over and over again, the same song, almost like a mantra. Like I'll have like, um, trying to think of the last song that I did it with, um, Panama from uh, Van Halen. I just had it really low key, just enough to drown out the voices. But on like the 20th or 30th time, it becomes like this chant in your head. You know, I and think you can, you're delving to dangerous territories here. No, man. Yeah, you, you wake up, you wake up in the middle of the night, Panama, Panama, and your no, wife will wonder. You, you, you laugh, but it really, it really does turn into like this, this kind of constant, like droning mantra that that just blocks out all the excess outside noise. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, I've been steady riding for an hour and a half, like with no no interruptions. Like, like that that helps, you know. Yeah. It's not, like I said, it's not always that song, but I'm sometimes it's you know. At least it's not jump. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I think you got to you got you got to be selective with your David Lee Roth. So I mean, <laughs> hey, that song was amazing when I was ten. <laughs> <laughs> it was so creative. <laughs> jump. <laughs> I mean, I wonder, you know. Look. Well, see, for me, I tend tend to like listening to music but i like listening to music that i don't that either doesn't have lyrics or i can't understand the lyrics yep i understand that too um and listen i'm all over the place when it comes to music um you know my my playlists are they're bonkers they're all over the place you know i look like the kind of guy that probably listens to metal all day but that's not that's not true i like i like my nostalgic you know 80s 90s uh 70s metal but um Man, I'm, I'm a huge hip hop fan. I, I, listen, I, I, I listen to like old outlaw country. I listen to all kinds. Of, just okay, I got some deep cut. How about Glenn Miller? You listen to Glenn Miller? No, how about, how about female, female Mary Hachi fans? No, no, but I, I did listen to um, to um, uh, Mexican surf rock for a while. Uh, when I was riding an occurrence at Howling Crater, um, there were a couple bands that just it was just like this, you know, the steel guitars and the the, uh, that that whole uh, Dick Dale surf uh, surf rock sound, yeah, yeah. That I got way into that, so I was just listening to a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of bands, you know, that are. But they're singing, so, you know, they're singing this this uh, surf rock about you know zombies and mutants, you know, it's, just, it's like complete nerd nerd rock, you know. I got way way into that, um, and again, it would sometimes act like this weird mantra that would just kind of keep me you know, in the zone, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's you know, I'd say for breach people, I think I, I don't know what it is for me. I mean, I, I kind of wonder what it is for different people. I mean, some people it's the it's some people go for the stuff that is the genre, you know, listen to movie soundtracks or video game soundtracks or you know, sounds of orcs. But for me, you know, 
Maybe some Glenn Miller's just what I need to be. <laughs> I don't know, man. I used to put, just put movies on in the background too. Yeah. Um, like I can't tell you how many times I saw, like I just had training day or, you know, fellowship of the ring or like booking nights or pulp fiction or something like that on the background. Well, I'm just, you know, just writing and so at a, at a low key or whatever, you know, um, just something I just mildly just again, like a, like a mantra, like just, just that, that, that ambient weird sort of static noise of a, of a movie that you're super familiar with, you know? So this is going to, uh, have you heard of the Claypool Lennon delirium? Claypool Lennon delirium. No. Are we talking about Les Claypool? Um, it might be. I don't know the guy. So he, he, this guy, his last name is Claypool, and he, he partnered with, uh, Ju- I think it's Julian Lennon. And they do some crazy psych rocky wild I bet it's less, less Claypool from Primus. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his, actually. <laughs> yeah, because he gets kind of into really weird, weird, weird territories. I can almost guarantee you that it's him then, yeah. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Let's see who, who are the members of the Claypool Lennon Delirium? <laughs> can't can't be a lot of uh a lot of rock stars out there with the last name claypool <laughs> Les claypool yeah man yeah he's a front man and, and uh, uh of a uh, primus okay i've not heard primus now i need to do that because i also know, well, this led me to with the claypool julian lennon and there's a another gal they did a thing called the saber tooth saber tooth tiger i think something like that uh, he's done a bunch of stuff. He's done a bunch of commercial stuff too. Like he did um, the theme for South Park. He did the theme for Robot Chicken. Is him. He's just done a bunch of. You know, he's 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 one of us. He's a nerd. You know, he is nerd. <laughs> just a, just a, just a famous, massively talented nerd. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's just. Uh, it's just kind of interesting finding the times, what works, what doesn't, and uh, how long did it take you to find your groove, or did you find it immediately, or do you have to kind of experiment with different stuff? No. So, um, when I was my, my very first, uh, adventure that I ever wrote, I kind of wrote it in pieces. I, I had it banging around in my head for a few years prior, but, um, when I decided I was going to do it, um, I just had to find the time to, cause I had a full-time job and we had just had a baby, you know? So, I mean, who was, you know, months old. So I was, you know, I just, I had no time for anything, but I wanted, I had this in my head. I wanted to get it out. Um, so it was just, you know, I, sometimes I go to work a couple hours early in the morning and just, you know, sit there in the, in the office and, and, uh, and work until, you know, until people started to arrive or sometimes I'd stay late. Sometimes I'd stay up, stay up late at night. Sometimes I get up early in the morning before anybody else was awake and, and just, um, make myself do it. You know, it's like, this is what I'm, I know I have the next two hours. This is what I am doing. This is what's happening. But I think that, that really is key, isn't it? like this discipline yeah the discipline (laughs) i've got an hour i'm gonna write for an hour you know it's like it's like i i don't necessarily choose when this hour is but i know i want i just have this free time and this is the only time i'm gonna do it yeah i mean um what is that is there's a uh, a quote that the the filmmaker kevin smith um you know the clerks and all rats and all those movies he had a, a, a quote about um you know that i guess like the majority of the work is 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 just showing up like 80 percent of it or whatever is just yeah. showing up to, to do it so just show up to do it get it done and then all the other stuff you know 
you'll you'll find time later on you'll 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 make sacrifices but i mean we're making this sound like it's some sort of like uh you know <laughs> we're digging deep into the vatican vaults to to bring the people the truth but yeah, you know, exactly. really we're just writing our, our silly little adventures it's panama just listen to yeah. panama enough it is the, it's the panama rpgs <laughs> absolutely you'll 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 reach the right frequency and the into the other dimensions and they'll start beaming these ideas into your head Hey man, you know, like I said, we we, we laugh at it, but uh, you know, listening to Panama thirty seven times in a row got me into some sort of weird headspace to where I, the 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 words are flowing like butter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's uh, you know that, that <laughs> as long as you don't turn out like um, Jack Nicholson in The Shining, you'll be all right. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, nobody wants that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's. It, and that's just it. It's it's just like, and I think a lot of times people wait. And I, I, of course, I'm not definitely not an accomplished writer at all. But you know, the idea of you know, I hear people just like staring at a piece of paper and just and just so well, just type something. It's like you only have so much time. Better just get something down. Something's better than nothing. Yeah, but here's the deal, man. If you even if you spend 30 minutes looking at the computer screen, that little cursor just blinking or whatever that's still 30 minutes of writing you still sit there and tried to do it you know i don't I mean? know i think if you just put all work and no play makes jack a dull boy over and over i think that's something but i think just to stare i don't know well no your wheels are turning because sometimes you show up man it's it's not your your creative juices aren't flowing or Maybe there's something going on in your life with an overarching problem or, you know, it's just not in the mood for it, but you at least have to show up to try. That's, you know, I mean, without sounding like, you know, I'm laying down the lawn telling you how it is, uh, you, you really should, you know, and if you know early on, this is not going to work out, man, go. Oh, that's true. I mean, if it doesn't work, yeah. it's not going to work. I don't disagree with that. I yeah, go watch. Uh, that's what Disney Plus is for, man. Go watch a, <laughs> watch The Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's there's uh and i think i think there is that too and i think probably for me it's less so i mean you know there's been times in my life where things haven't worked and i just didn't bother because i just knew but i would say whenever i have been i always make sure that i'm typing something or listen you can turn your attention to uh to like more the more mundane like drudgery of of, of putting these things together you know like doing like doing oh. stats or I thought you. I thought you were saying. Or... Said the more mundane. I thought you were saying the Mormon Dane. Oh. That's kind of. Where I felt like you know the Mormon Dane. It's like this could be interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who is this man named Dane? <laughs> Why is he so cool? <laughs> Shouldn't be. He's so nice. Yeah, he just walks out of the desert with these glasses and this perfect <laughs> smile. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't, listen, there, I don't, I don't know if there's any secrets to writing. I mean, did you read, did you ever read, uh, was it on writing by uh, Stephen King? No, I need to. Great book. Great. Yeah. I plucked a few little nuggets out of there, but you know, like, but his, his process is going to be completely different than, you know, everyone else's. So what, what works for him works for him, but what works for some, some people just, they, they can't write at home. They have to go to a coffee shop or they have to go to a restaurant or they have to go to a library you know it, it just you know it helps them um i don't know that they have to but you know it, they feel well comfortable I, well i think so. what it is is i personally do believe even though i can write most places but there's a certain amount of truth that 
if there's a certain space where you do a certain thing, it's hard to get out of that headspace. Like if, if you're in your, if you're in your living room, that's where you watch TV and hang out. It's going to be hard to be productive. You're going to sit in front of your computer where you play video games all the time. That may be more difficult. So just get into a different sure. space. will will get you out of that hole. Yeah. There's some truth thing. to that for sure, man. Yeah. I don't know, but it's just, uh, it's just, it's difficult, difficult as we get older, trying to find spaces and time and publishing and, and uh, trying to keep it all together. Being a one-man show, you're, it's really pretty impressive. So I'm going to be interviewing a fellow tomorrow, and uh, he is, it's Russell, and I forgot his last name, I can't believe it, but he does the D12 zine. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm just vapor locking on his name right now. But he does the, um, yeah, Russell Allert. He's putting out a, a zine every month. Man, I, I, Russell, I don't know how you do it, man, but uh, God bless you. <laughs> I can't do it, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, I, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, you know, I was thinking like, you know, I could do this one thing maybe twice, a, twice a year, do another one maybe twice a year, but then it's just like, that's four times a year, and if I do anything else, like, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. Well, you, you said a minute ago, you said one man show. Let me be absolutely clear: it is not a one man show. Like uh, my partner uh, um, Tracy Steele. She's a graphic designer. She does a layout. She's the entire reason everything looks so cool and looks good. Right. Um, all the artists, like I, I work, I work with a lot of the same artists, project after project, after project. It's because of them that the Planet X stuff has kind of a, a certain look to it, and that and that it looks so good. I mean, you know, you right. just can't find an Adrian Landeros or Ed Bickford covered. Just you know, while, right? While I guess when I say one man show, not like you do everything but the fact is but you are open responsible for the whole project yeah well that's just project management stuff you know that's just you know ops. i know but it will not happen <laughs> if you don't do it there's you know each pearson does a thing but you know you're the one that puts it all together you're the one that runs the kickstarter you're the one that commissions the stuff you're the one that makes the payments you're the ones that contact the Zolid funeral you're the one that you know comes up with the idea and promotes it you're the one that maybe takes the risks with the you know you know whatever it may be um well here's the thing i used to think that i was like super organized until i actually met people who were super organized and were super good at their job the folks who run exalted funeral are like they are like the savants of crowdfunding and so and savants of the the publishing biz i don't know how um matt and Kristen do it they are just like i i just i don't i don't know how they keep it all together and and then be so consistently good project after project and get their stuff out so fast i mean they obviously have a talent for hiring the right people to do the right job and hiring uh, and treating them well and taking care of them and you know and making sure that uh, all their their needs are met um but on top of that just the you know and and, and they have children you know I, I just don't know how um they keep it together so flawlessly as they do um but you know, like I said, I thought I had it together until I met those guys. I'm just I'm blown away by the the amount of um, of work that that they that they and their team do. Um, it's just it's a, I mean it really is a like stunning amount of work. Um, so the the project management on their end is just I just have to sit back and be like, 
teach me, <laughs> you know, like, please, right. please show me the way, you know, because they're just, they're, they're, they're the best. They're, they're great. Yeah. And there definitely is a lot of areas, you know, I'm, I'm my son who was um, really good at math and, you know, he won local competitions and regional competitions and, and inflated his ego a little bit much. And then he went and what they would do is they'd have these algebra problems, be a, a paragraph story problem. And then you're supposed to, you know, try and figure out, you know, the solution. We got to Chicago and you know, my son, whose head was probably a little inflated, goes there. And those people there were able to finish the math problem right with the, like the person just read the first two. I mean, like they could instantly, you know, oh there was no God. delay. There was no delay. <laughs> so some situations is like, you know, you think you're here, but there are people. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like, like, I, I think everybody has somebody that, that they that they look up to in that fashion. Like, I don't know how you do it, man, but I just I'm in awe of, of how you keep it together. You know, I, I mean, I know I do. I'm you know on several different things in, in in life in general, but for the RPG biz, I just I just look at uh, Exalted. Those Matt and Kristen from Exalted Funeral, they just and their whole team. You know, Jared, Tony, and Justin. They're all just they're they work so flawlessly and. Uh, well together um i just I, I can't say enough good things about them <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds I like i'm doing really, an ad for exalted funeral but i didn't not. really know them until excuse me until the ultraviolet grasslands um because i think that oh. i don't know if that was their first big one i don't know yeah are you familiar with the ultraviolet grasslands oh yeah oh yeah okay so Beautiful book. but then that's where i kind of started to take notice and just to my after that they just kept having Large project after large project. Yeah, and I mean, the, it's not just larger project. It's it's hey, here's a large project this month, but then here are ten others that we've done. You know, with with up and coming writers and people who were doing other things, and now they want to break into the biz. And um, again, they have they have so many irons in the fire, and they're doing so many cool things. Um, when it comes down to it, I think they're essentially they're changing the culture of of RPGs um, with what they're doing because, I mean, a lot of things are changing the culture, but for them, they're they're changing it in an extremely positive manner, extremely creator friendly manner, um, and it's good to see because you know sometimes things can get really you know stuck going one way, and you're like, ah, this necessarily isn't great for everybody. But I'll tell you, man, I haven't had one negative experience with with them. Even there have been times even where I'm like, I don't know if I should ask this question or I, I don't know. Should I do this? Or should I do that? And then I, I, I take the, the, the leap and I ask one of them, you know, for assistance or help or whatever. And they're just the most helpful uh, and just they just they're so good at what they do that they, they have the answer for me before I even know it. Um, and I just, we, we, without them, you know, there's, there's so, so many pitfalls that I would have, I, I would have fallen into, you know, so many things that I would have fallen afoul of had I not asked a question or had their guidance or, um, again, it sounds like I'm doing a commercial for Exalted Funeral. I just I'll leave it at that and saying that they're just fantastic people. Well, fantastic so, people. So I've thought about with my next Kickstarter of of going because at least as far as the selling of zines i've never really actually i never had anything to the point where i thought would be something that would be reasonable for 
selling through some sort of distributor or well, I guess they are kind of distributor. Well, through a storefront that's not my own. So did you have a project, your product, and then you went to them and said, hey, do you want to carry this or how'd that start? No. Um, so I'd heard, I'd, I'd bought a ton of stuff from them and I'd, heard, I'd always heard good things about them. But when I moved from California out here to um, the East Coast, I found out that there was, the, that their East Coast warehouse was like an hour from, you know, um, and I was just wrapping up a, <clears throat> my first hardback book, which was like 148 pages. <clears throat> and I was, you know, getting like 1200 copies shipped to my house. Like, good God, I've, you know, I live in this two bedroom apartment, like with my, <laughs> with my new, you know, my two, you know, two year old son and my wife, and we both got jobs and, you know, we're yada, yada, you know, we, we got to move again in two, in two years. Right. Like, what are we, we going to do? So I just kind of reached out, out to him initially to say, Hey, um, you know, you have a warehouse, like maybe I could start, you know, doing, um, fulfillment through you guys. Cause I was looking for the projects were getting too big for me to kind of handle fulfillment on my own. Um, so they're like, yeah, but Hey, did you also know, you know, we can also sell your stuff on our site. You know, we, we can do, there's all these different options, you know? And I thought, uh, I've heard so many good things about them, you know, um, they have a great reputation. All their, all the stuff that I've ever bought from them has arrived fast and it's, you know, just, it's good content. Like it seems like they, they were really good at curating the kind of stuff that is, that, that, that is on their store. Um, so I kind of went whole hog. I was like, let me put, you know, we'll put stuff on your store. I'll, you guys can do all my, um, all my fulfillment for me. And again, they were just top notch, like right, right from the get go, like, you know, um, not even a month in and they're, I mean, I'm just selling more books than I'd ever sold, you know, by, by hand or, you know, through, through my, through my own means, they were just, they just helped, helped me get to a next level, not to like some grand level or anything, but they helped me, you know, level up a couple of times, you know? Um, and again, they were just very helpful with, um, you know, with understanding the business side of things. So, um, yeah, just, I, I, I just owe them a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, what's hard is, you know, us being as small as far as, as publishing, it's, it's hard to understand or find a foothold. And I think somebody that kind of acts as a, I guess be as a distributor in a way that nobody else would ever touch. They, I guess they found that niche that was not getting that nobody was filling. Yeah. You know, and let's say if you're the kind of publisher who, or creator who, um, is willing to get out there and say, Hey, you can find my, you know, you can find my stuff at itself. And you get out there and you, you work your social media and you, you put the word out. So people actually know that a, that you exist and b where they can find your stuff. If you also do that, in addition to what they're doing, it's just success. You know, um, it's just, you, you know, that's, you're, you're, you're doing yourself a favor. You're doing them a favor. You know, everybody's working together. You know, the, that whole rising tide raises all ships thing, you know? Yeah. 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 It, it's, and I think that's another thing that you do a, a, a very good job as far as, as uh, your Twitter presence. That's something I've just never quite figured out. <laughs> well, it's really just, just being, being positive and not being a dick. Well, I would say, is. I will say it's more than that. It, you know, you say being positive, but I, I would say that, and there's other people too, but I would say uh, you're probably one of the most, um, you're, you're not just like whenever you reply to things, you're positive, but you actually push out positivity, 
which is nice. It's not just like, yeah, I'm, I'm positive in your response. It's like, no, you definitely are reactive and presenting things in a very positive way and putting out fun things. Oh, man. Well, I remember when I was trying to get my foot in the door just to get somebody, anybody to notice me so that I could get my product out there. You know, this is before I, I understood what a Kickstarter was. I could do it myself. I was just trying to get somebody, anybody to just listen to me and be like, hey, can you take a look at my my adventure? Take a look at my zine, my, something that I wrote. Um, and it was hard, you know, if you if you don't have somebody advocating for you or you don't have uh, a voice, it's a lot of times it's hard. If, if you're not completely undeniable, um, especially if you're starting out, you know, it's, it's early on in, in um, not your career, but more early on in kind of what you're uh, in, in your in your creative days, then you might not have the experience to do it. Like, again, if you don't have somebody advocating for you or a voice saying, hey, this guy's OK. Um, so I like on Twitter, especially and then Instagram and, and Facebook as well. I just like to support um, folks who are like me. You know, right? Like they're just indie, indie, indie publishers who, you know, again, just just trying to be like, oh, they're waving the flag, saying, "Hey, come check out my stuff." Um, I've, you know, I've got whatever, whatever it's like twelve Kickstarters, but like one hundred and twenty I've backed. You know, and that's just in three years. You know, like it's because I want to see people succeed, and I want to see these cool ideas that might never get the light of day. I want to see them come to fruition, and um, I really want to see all these alternate takes on on on. Uh, on RPGs, um, all the coolest products, every to the last title, every single one that I've picked up in the last three or four years um, have all been just you know third party indie stuff. The coolest ones. I mean, right. I mean, right down to the <laughs> you know. And then I find I find some author that writes something really cool, and then I go into a rabbit hole, and then all of a sudden I've got you know his entire library of stuff because. I like like Jacob Hurst. I really like the way he writes. So I just went down a rabbit hole and bought everything that he <laughs> that, that, that he wrote. Same yeah, I just saw he's got a, a Kickstarter recently too that just came out. It's doing like very well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, he's a kung fu master. <laughs> yeah. That, that guy, he he works hard, uh, and he has he has a brain that's not like anybody else's brain. So that those two things uh, set him up for success in a big way. Um, and I just I'll 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 follow that guy. Uh, I'll follow his imagination down just about any rabbit hole he wants to go down. But like Carl Sternberg, you know, his, his cartography, uh, skull fungus, his, oh, yeah. his, his cartography is so stunning that I'll literally back any project that has his work in it. It's because I, I, a, I like him, but B his maps are just so unbelievably cool. It is uh, fascinating to look at. Um, and there's artists like that. There's other writers um there's publishers who i think that are are, are you know are, are people within those pub those, those little tiny publishing houses that um that i also follow i just really like their individual work so yeah kind of all over the place with this but uh yeah support any publishers <laughs> well yeah and zine quest is is uh coming around the corner oh yeah yeah um this i believe this will be the first zine quest that i don't i don't take part in Unfortunately, I've got just uh, I've got too many. I, I I didn't know about it at the time. I got too many things that are already in the hopper, and uh, have been paid for and are just kind of raring to go. So I don't think I'm going to make this one. Yeah, it's hard to sometimes get everything in sync. It really well, they're is. doing the, the late one. They're doing the Zine Quest in August, but then they're doing it again in February of of 2023. So that one I will I, I will end up doing something for, um, but I just couldn't. Like I said, I've got I've got too much stuff scheduled between now and then that just 
um, like I said, it's already paid for and I've, you know, kind of already promised people like, Hey, this is when you're getting paid or this is, you know, when things are, we're, we're going to be doing this. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I, cause I, I was, it, things have been, I've had some delays with some of my other projects, some, some stuff that's kind of my control, but, uh, you know, I, when I got back, I kind of remapped everything out. And then, uh, then once this came through, even though I knew about it, I think it was Phil Reed, you know, making a statement, Hey, the zine quest, you know, um, what, like, what are you guys doing? And it's all of a sudden it's like, and they hit me. <laughs> yeah. I was doing, a, I was doing the best diary. It's kind of, I was able to solve a problem. But I thought, well, why don't I just add some more articles and just make it a zine? <laughs> why not? <laughs> this, there's a, there's a conundrum that I was having with this. And that kind of solved it. So uh, anyway, I, I made a hard pivot. I've got I've got thirty pages already written for the uh, for the bestiary. Or so, make a series. Make a series of zines. Maybe you've got the first zine covers A through G. Well, that's know? what it was going to do. So what happens? There's two things going on. One, the bestiary project was one thing, and then I thought about doing um, a a uh, a zine, just a general zine, anyway. But then I, I woke up the morning. I was like, "Why well, just do them? Combine the two, and then that then it's not going to be that hard." What's the great thing about a zine is that you can, it's, it's a snapshot of whatever whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be like super detailed, and you don't have to go deep down and do a deep dive into into a certain subject. It can just be what it is, you know. Um, now, the roots of zines, you know, those <laughs> I guess go all the way back to the counterculture movement. You know, I mean, honestly, the the modern what, what we consider a zine, at least. right? And then you have all those music zines that were in the eighties and nineties, and you know, um, you got folks like uh, Frank Nora or uh, Pagan Kennedy who kept, you know, the, on on their own, they kept those art zines alive and those like, like again, those those counterculture zines alive in the nineties or late eighties when you know there really weren't that many out there, you know, there's, was a whole lot of people doing that kind of stuff. And then, you know, now we have a boom of RPG zines so that folks like you and I, who, you know, instead of having to go out and, and buy some $50 book that, you know, might have three pages of what we actually want to read in it, we can get a zine all about that, that whatever that certain thing is. We want a zine just about monsters. Boom. We go and get a zine about monsters. We want one about, uh, I just read a great one the other day from, uh, from monkey blood. Uh, studios uh, i think it was i think it was them it's glenn seal uh called Ascaleth, the great the last great city it's just a perfect little zine because it's yeah. like a little city it's like a city it's just a snapshot of a of, of a great metropolitan city you know so those that's the kind of stuff that i love these this they're either snapshots of one certain thing or they're just full of all kinds of little pieces that you can use well, plug and play like, it's kind of like right it's kind of bookstores like <clears throat> you know I don't, I don't frequent like I used to, but you go into a bookstore and you can kind of tell a lot about the owner by the bookstore. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's like, yeah. Cause you can tell what they really love by what's in there. And, and it's just kind of the way zines are. It's like, there's a certain personality that, that can show through, you know, and it's sometimes finding that voice and finding that personality, you know, even mm -hmm. as a creator, but also as, you know, like you say, you find something, you like something from somebody you're like, you know, you know, that's the idea. I hopefully I think is eventually is to make things that that are unique, maybe not unique, but they just have that flavor or that 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 pulse or that sensation that that uh, triggers the imagination in a certain way. 
Oh yeah. So, yeah. I love the kind of content um, that sometimes is just so off and left field that um, you may never play it, but it will spark ideas and will spark um, your own creative juices to start doing some, maybe something completely different, but it, it kind of jumpstarts your imagination or, you know, kind of gives you a, a little bit of a, of a tweak to, to get you started along some path of your own. Um, Jonathan Newell uh, has this great, um, it's, it's not so much a zine as, as it is just kind of a, kind of, a, I don't know how you, how you describe it, but it's called Genial Jack. And it's about the city that is built in and on this massive, like celestial whale. <laughs> Which right there, that's just a, 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 an idea that, is, that just says, what are you even talking about? You know, like, <laughs> what, what, what is that even? You know, like, are, are you kidding me? But then you start reading it and there's, he's got, you know, all the different parts of the whale or little areas of the city. And he's got factions and he's new magic items and he's got new spells and monsters and all these little locations inside the whale. And uh, even if you never plan on playing this adventure, which, by the way, you absolutely should, because it's really cool. Um, you still you still read through that stuff and you're like, man, there's just so many ideas in here. Like that magic item kind of sounds like something that I would put into this thing in my own campaign. You know, so you pay, boom, you take that. And then oh, this NPC is really cool. Maybe I'll take that. You know, then all of a sudden you've hodgepodge together some stuff for your own campaign. You know, that's the kind of the kind of supplement or zine or book or splat book that, that, that is super useful, you know, and the one that you keep going back to because it's just so jam packed full of ideas that, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic resource. Right. It's just another story of I'm going to the caverns and, and killing some orcs. Yeah. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, the, right. the, 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 no, the last, the last con that I was at the best game, uh, sorry, the best fantasy game that I played in, um, was run by um, a guy from Arkansas, Carl Hale. Uh, it was just a straight BX game. Um, and it was just about, hey, uh, some goblins stole a pig and they're in right. these goblin warrens and there's a right. fairy and there's a giant spider. And you go in and you have to deal with them all. And, uh, oh, look, there's a bugbear. And, oh, oh, hey, there's... Is, right. is I'm, the, I'm just saying, they don't necessarily provide the same elements. Right? Not that they're not fun or they're not good, but I mean, it's not like things are kind of left field where you... Like, no, it was... The game was fantastic. It was wonderful. Like he was so, so on point as a DM. It, it was so, it was simple, but like it had depth, like surprising depth. Like right. and he was doing voices for the spider and he was doing voices for the, the fairy, you know, he's the good old boy from, uh, from Arkansas, you know, but he was so into it and he was such a good DM. Uh, and all, all of us players, you know, it's, it's midnight or whatever. We, you know, it's the night before the con and we're all just, this is some pickup game he just threw together. Uh, but it was fantastic. And it was, like I said, it was the best fantasy game I played at the entire con. Um, I had more fun at that game than I did even running my own. So, <laughs> yeah. well, run your own can be, uh, as I could imagine, I've not done many at a con, but that's, that's a lot of, that takes a lot of energy to do. I mean, it's definitely, I, I, my hat's off to anybody that runs games at cons. Well, last year uh, I did six cons and I ran the same th uh, three games at every con. So I got right. to see different factions of, of you know, um, you're, you know you're, people doing different you're things. You're right. Because somebody was telling me they run uh, Keep on the Borderlands. Like they've ran it like, I can't remember, like a tremendous number of times. Right. You're right. Yeah. At that point, it, it would be a different experience. You're, you're actually more. Yeah, it would be a different experience. Just trying to do something new. 
Right. And I don't know how it works with you as far as like just on the on the on the judge or, or game master side, but I often find that like I get some of my best ideas from players. You know, they'll come through and um they're oh, I was checking that secret door to see if it did this. And I think later on I'm thinking, man, I wish I had written that into the adventure because that's a way better idea than what I had written. You yeah. Know? Like I, I remember when we were playing uh uh Jungle Tomb of the Mummy Bride and you know you had that like you found that crazy head on the head on the in the sack that was hidden away on that wall, and you were trying all these cool things with it. And I thought, man, I kind of wish I'd have written this just a little bit differently, uh, because uh, you know it, it would be uh, kind of the ideas that he's coming up with are, are kind of cooler than what I wrote. So uh, maybe when I go back and do this for like sixth edition or you know OSE or something, maybe I'll maybe I'll change some stuff up. I find myself making notes, you know. Well, that's just it. I mean, right. Cause I think the idea and um, so there's a, there's a book called mind of the maker uh, by Dorothy Sayers. And uh, she was a, a theologian, but she was also the one who wrote a bunch of novels and screenplays. She was, but she talked about how um, she, she used the Christian uh, theology of the Trinity explained the, the idea of creation of, of artistic creation. And the idea, and then she kind of would, it's a very, very fun book. But one of the things is, is that the idea is when you are doing a thing, an art, there is also energy that kind of comes back to you. That it's oh, not sure. just you going. And when you have that, it's kind of like, you know, if you're a musician and you're playing to an audience and then the audience is participating back, that adds to the creation itself and so i think the idea is right when you when you are at that moment when these things are happening as a gm you're you're able to slip aside and think about it and you're kind of in the moment and you're i mean the, the, the creativity's going it's not just you just running an adventure now you're 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 hitting that that grade of spike in your in your brain and and the possibilities are there oh 100 um my good buddy uh john mcguire he always, uh, I always hear him say, he says, uh, you know, my job as the, as the game runner, the judge or DM is to get, is to get my players to pop. That's what, that's what he likes to say that, you know, so I, I like, I like to see my players pop, you know, and I'm like, what does that mean? And w- but what he means by it is he, he wants to give them that cinematic moment, you know, that, that movie moment in every game where it's the, the, uh, that every player that that's, that's sitting at the table has their, their moment to shine you know, has their chance to, to do that one special thing or to, uh, to shine in some, in, in some special way and to tell you're giving them the framework to tell the story they want to tell with their character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Within the framework of the rules. But um, he would say that. I'd be like, you know, what does he mean? What does he mean? And I, one day I finally got it. I was like, oh, you know, this is, he's absolutely right. This, this is, this should be the goal. It should be the goal is to, is, is to give that memorable experience. You know, it doesn't mean like, Oh, here I am just handing out willy nilly uh, every great thing, but here within the confines of the rules, let's do something cool. Well, and I think too, it's like in my early days, I thought my job as a GM was to construct a reality and then enforce that reality. Right. And it's just like, you know, like say somebody wanting to swing from a chandelier and do a certain thing. I'm like, okay, well, you have to make your roll to your decks and then make a roll for this. And if you don't, it's like, you know, but then, you know, after dungeon rolled a lot of these others, it's like, I just let the person swing from a chandelier. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Listen, like, there's a secret, there, there, there's a secret door in that wall. You know it. I know it. Do I really have to roll? No, nah, yeah, exactly. it's, it's there. 
yeah, it's it's there. You know, you you found it. And it's just and the other thing I've, I've also realized too is like if, if somebody wants to do something that I think is really cool, but it may end the game shortly or it, it's bypassing a lot. Uh, I will say, but there's risk to it. Like, you know, one guy said, I want to put explosives on this speeder bike and I want to run it into the, <laughs> I want to run it into the, the back end of this spaceship that's landed and cause it to explode, but roll away at the last minute before it happens. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, now we have to make some rolls. Yeah. We do. But the thing is you describe, you say, this is what's going to happen. You know, it could just be as simple as a 1D6. Sure. You know, 1D6, it runs very bad. You run the engine, you're dead. You know, six means it goes without a, a, a hitch. Perfect. And then, you know, a two, maybe you take severe amount of, we'll roll for it. But you lay it out and they know the risks. And it can right. be really great or really bad. And they don't know. Um, that makes some, that makes character pop there at that moment. So whether they succeed oh, or fail, you're just like, oh yeah, everybody's screaming or yelling or, or whatever. Well, it's one of the things that Dungeon Crawl Classics does so brilliantly with uh, Mighty Deeds and Spellburn and uh, all the weird stuff that can happen to your your spellcasting characters while they're you know casting their rituals or, or spell, all the patron stuff, you know. Um, it's one of the genius aspects of the game is that, hey, you can do great things. You can do things that will, that you, that, you know, that will never be forgotten but there's a risk, right. <laughs> you, know? you know? So um, that's one of the areas where a game like that truly shines. You know, I, I, I love that about DCC. Yeah. And a lot of times I'll do too, if somebody wants to roll for something um, like <laughs> check for a trap and there's no trap there and, and they check and they succeed. Like they haven't find the trap. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> There's nothing yeah. more boring than rolling for a trap, succeeding. There's nothing there. <laughs> At least once, you know. Well, but what, like, what's what's the harm? So yeah, you found a trap. Yeah, you know. You're it, right. Absolutely right. It doesn't hurt anybody. All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I, I good thing I rolled. Yeah, it's a good thing you rolled. <laughs> yeah. That's a very good point. That's a that's a really good point. Again, getting those players, get, get the players to pop. Yeah, just exactly. You know, it's just like it, there's not that much fun, especially some characters that you know, and you only get a couple of roles and they're all just bad, you know. It's just like, you know, something succeeds, you know, it's nothing worse than like success that provides nothing. Or well, the only thing worse than that would be is, is a math slog. All right, well, I don't know, let me carry the carry the five and move the two and all right, how, how about the, now subtract that from this? And oh man, you just okay. sucked all the joy out of the game. So, so what's so, uh, we'll just, we'll do a hard turn because why not? <laughs> Did you bring this up? So what games have game systems have you had to do, uh, uh, divert away from because there are math slogs? Like where is yeah. the point? I got two that immediately come to mind. What are they? Moro project. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, I, I don't know if this was like some sort of heavily, um, house ruled version of it that I was playing. Um, no, it wasn't. It's bad. <laughs> I I really tried to give that game um, some credit. I really tried to love it. I, How old were you? I, I, I'm twenties. You know, I'm you're too old. I think you need to be younger. Did you're <laughs> you'd be like fifteen with a calculator, and you don't mind. <laughs> I just uh, it was just one of those deals where it was like I 
this I, I love the the setting and the idea you know you go to sleep and you wake up in a strange world and i like that whole idea but uh the execution was just diggity dog shit <laughs> just terrible um and the second one un- un- unfortunately because also it's it's a it's a game that has a, a great um setting is riffs um riffs always had oh there's oh there's two different kinds of armor and there's three different kinds of damage and then there's this and there's that oh you better add this over to this boring that whole the whole mechanics of riffs just just put me to sleep um and again there might be other other folks who are like what is he talking about it's a great game for you it's a great game but for me (laughs) it it was just mind-numbingly boring but that was just the mechanics Right the setting and all the classes and the abilities and all the cool stuff that was really for me where um where riff shine was just a it was a really cool um uh, game as far as like the the lore and the setting and the all the cool stuff that you could do um but the mechanics just again just <laughs> just put me out man just i was i just glaze my eyes would glaze over and i'm just reading a comic book waiting for my next turn you know like bored out of my skull yeah i think moral project is probably one of the one of the games i love the most but like playing the least <laughs> like, i thought like i even tried to run it I, I even tried to run moral project thinking <laughs> okay let me come up with like a workaround here and just seven hours of people sitting around a little table in mina arkansas staring at each other going why are we playing this you know, like, hey, we, we the, the game part is cool, but every time we get into a, a firefight, it was like, all right, for the next three hours, we're all looking at our sheets trying to figure out what's happening. You know, like, no, nobody cared. So we played it a couple times and then shelved it and never played it again. So I think I gave actually gave my uh, copy away. So, yeah, yeah no thanks, it, Moral Project. It, and Yeah, and they, they did a um, a new version of it, I think, like, maybe five six seven eight years ago and i thought oh maybe maybe it's better (laughs) i think they made it worse well listen give me a give me a version of um give me a version of moral project that it plays like x crawl or give me a even better something that plays as simple as like cairn or like OSE or something well, they, very, very simple. You can run it with uh, rules from Savage Worlds. It works really Boom. well. I ran for, with Hero System. I think uh, that the the other one I would be, it, the way, one the perfect system now would be uh, using the new Twilight 2000 rules. Mm. With, uh, I can see that. But, but yeah, but the old stuff, it just, yeah, it was just, um, and I think the thing is why, what I find in, I kind of infuriating with uh, a lot of these, um, the uh, games that rely on skills is you can get a skill and it never gets used. Like that's your big thing. Yeah. Like, okay, like now maybe in Moral Project, I'm an optometrist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's a subcategory of a subcategory of a subcategory that you yeah. can roll on. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. And, and listen, I, you know, I'm sure that Moral Project was a game that um, it's it's obviously somebody somewhere's favorite game. Oh, it's I, just it's, you're right. More than just one person. There's a lot of people out there that love it. It's just not mine, you know. And more, and if you love that game, man, more power to you. Go go roll those dice and make some memories. But uh, it's just not happening for me. 
gonna be a yeah. no for me, dog. Yeah, I think if you're the type of person that loves uh, calculating the energy values based off of muzzle velocity. Yeah, no thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I've never played riffs. I never played riffs. I I think the game that kind of uh, I'm trying to think for me math wise, it's not really math wise, but I think I really hated three point five. Mm. I think it's because I came up with the came from the hero system where you could build your own and it was pretty, uh, but then 3.5 was just such a weird combination of feats and this and that. Oh yeah. Very oh, arbitrary. Yeah. And it's like, I used to think, well, why can't you just build the character? Why not just have character points? You know, yeah, why do you I have mean, to you're go not through, wrong. Why do you have to go through all these gymnastics and going through these obscure paths? And, you know, that's just like, I don't understand. Well, it's right there in the middle of, of what it was and what it was going to become, you know, where, where they, uh, hey, we've got lots and lots of options. In fact, we've got more options than we've ever had, but you still got to crunch these. Well, it, it was genius. I'm, it was actually the probably the right game at the right time. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. And, and hey, I heard I played was, a ton of 3.5 and, and third edition, a ton. So how old were you when you played it? Let's see. Uh, it came out like what, like 99, 2000, something, something around, around that area? Yeah. So that would put me right at about 26 when that came out. Yeah, 26, 27. Yeah, so I was a little bit older. I, I, I think I was probably, probably late 30s when I played it. I didn't. It just, it just seemed weird. It just the rules were just weird. Like, there was an ant that was running. I was like, okay. I started with a higher level. I was running, and I'll, like, I'll, I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll punch him in the back while he's running. And then once my base touched his base, he he flipped around magically and got first attack because I didn't have some sort of feat. I'm like, yeah. he didn't know I was behind him. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> Sounds like maybe you might you you might have had a kind of an unrealistic DM too. So well, you got a house rule that shit sometimes, man. <laughs> <laughs> that will be a quote. <laughs> That's a T-shirt. I think so. house rule that shit. I think even we need. I, I need to. I. <sighs> Let me write that down. We we'll have to. We we'll have to have this for the. Uh, we'll have this for uh, for the game hole con. <laughs> I'm really uh, looking forward to that convention. By the way, that's um, it's rapidly becoming, um, if not my favorite, one of my top two. It's a it's a fantastic convention, and really, really um, well organized. The the staff that uh, that takes care of that con and. Uh, Alex Cameron, the the director of the con, and the, they're just <laughs> they're ridiculously um, organized and talented. It's such a fun con. Um, I agree. I just, in fact, I was going to drive up on Thursday today. I just extended the other direction. I'm going a day earlier, so I'll be there in a hotel for Wednesday night. Yep. Yeah, I, I really like that con. Um, Last year was my first year, and I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I, I mean, I, I knew Alex a little bit, and um, I just just through talking to him, and um, I knew a bunch of people had gone and said it was fantastic. Um, so I expected good things, but I didn't I didn't expect them to be as amazing as they were. Like, like the vending was fantastic. the the uh, The games were all just great. You know, there was plenty of water for everybody. There was uh, you know, food trucks right out front. You didn't have to walk, you know, a million miles to get to them. The parking was good. The all the games all went off, all went off without a hitch. I could find my games very easily. 
Uh, there was a podcaster's row. There was a whole, there's, there's a, an area for demos. But there was also an area for vending. Like, it was very, very cool. It's a very well, well laid out and, and, and likely by design, just, just easy to find your way around and, and do things. It's better than it was. It used to be very, con- more, it used to be more confusing or it was confusing. Um, it didn't help that, you know, we, when I first went, they had like a, a hand-drawn like dungeon map and it, it was very confusing, but they've, I think once you understand that also the naming conventions, the Mendota room and the, it's like, right. it's like, <laughs> like I, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a great con, man. Uh, it's right for me. It's, it's right. As far as the, the enjoyment that I have and, and being to see people, it's right up there with uh, North Texas RPG and Gary Khan's uh, great too. You see a lot of, a lot of friendly faces there, but um yeah, those. I think it's just for me. It's the right size of con because it's not. It's not real small where you're bumping into the same people over and over again, which is fine. But it's just big enough to where you're meeting new people all the time, but you're not having to walk, you know, seven miles a day to to just to get to and from your games. You know, it's 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 not so spread out that it's it, it doesn't make sense. Well, to me, the way it kind of in my mind is is that, in, and I don't have anything against. The 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 D and D by D and D I mean like the Adventures League people, but Adventures League and some of the Pathfinder stuff just takes up the large percentage, like a large group of people. That's what they're sure. there for. But they're like they're in another room, like far away. I mean, it's like, and so then it's like a large, I don't want to say indie, but it's like old school games. So it, there's enough of a mass of people to allow for a gaming convention for people want to run you know or play in these older games or these odd games and it 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 really works out well you know it's kind of like a big party but you know the group of kids or the group of the ulcers are upstairs and you get the basement to yourself with all your friends i mean it's just it's it's really Mm -hmm. really nice to have the the benefit of a large con but yet it's still you get you know the the you know if you go there year after year it's the same a lot of the the people you meet are people you play games with the you know the previous years yeah. kind of intimate as well oh man so i i, I talked about how much I, at game hole i talked to, to several players about how much i love these other cons I, oh i love i'm going to gary con this year i'm really looking forward to it i love north texas and then what do you know when i go to those cons some of those people that i was that i met at game hole it's their first time going to these cons uh there was a guy um that i played a couple games with um in uh, a game hole and then boom he just shows up in north texas apparently he's from texas and he just shows up and then we're gaming two games together you know and i'm like i remember you man we played yada 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 you know and so it's just a, you, you meet people you become friends you just and uh, you have great time together with the same the same group of folks you know um it's one of the things i, I just I, I love about conventions man it's a, that that hang again it's like it's like a good podcast you sit down with somebody, you don't feel like it's an interview. You just you just mm. hanging out. You just, just talking about just talking about the kind of <laughs> the kind of stuff you you enjoy. And that's the way a con is, man. You can you can meet folks and toss some dice, go have some beers in the in the restaurant later, or uh, meet up in the bar. And next thing you know, uh, Stefan's cranking out black you know Black Sabbath of the sword at two a.m. You know, and everybody's raising uh, raising. Uh, <laughs> their beers and and singing along it's like a party you know but like i don't know it's just something special about them yeah i in in fact i really really was going to go to 
North Texas uh, this year, but just. You would not regret it. I'm telling you, it's just something special about it, man. There's yeah, something I was special just, about that. Work, work, work was in the way. I, we, my wife is actually on board with going. Um, she would be playing, but we were thought about extending out to like a family vacation and have the hotel and making wife and son could go do stuff they wanted. My son could play if he wanted, but, but it just, um, yeah, with, with going to, with the work situation, it just, it, it, it torpedoed it. And listen, that midnight auction is, is something to behold. There's <laughs> some insanity going on in, in that thing. Might lose some sanity. One D four sanity loss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if you, you never want to see a sixty-year-old man in a, in a yellow speedo, that's a, that's the place to go. <laughs> that's an inside pool that you probably didn't want to know about. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I I, I did know some about some of the shenanigans. Um, oh, it's uh, crazy, but it's that's all in good fun, and they raise a lot of a lot, a lot of a lot of money for good causes, and um, just it's just a good a good atmosphere, you know. Yeah, good atmosphere. Yeah, you actually hit a lot of cons. I think it's a lot of it's is it is it to support uh, Planet X or is it for yourself? But you hit a lot of cons. I would probably like six a year or so. I did last year. I went to six six last year. Um, I kind of figured out the ones I want to go to and I want to support, and then the ones that, that you know, if if it all works out, sure I'll go. But uh, it's not 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 one that I'll be uh, going to regularly, like Pax Unlimited. Nice. It's a fire cons fine, but it was just too big for me. Um, the load in is terrible. <laughs> Sorry, Pax. That's true. Um, uh, you know, parking is abysmal. It's just so big. It's almost unmanageable. Now I'll go so that I can hang out with friends. You know, right. a lot of East coast, uh, uh, indie designers go there. I'll go to, to do that. Maybe pick up a, you know, a, a book or two, but that, that one's less about bending and gaming and more about just kind of like, Oh, let's, let's, let's see who I run into, you know, but then you get a game like uh, a convention, like game hole in North Texas, uh, ShireCon in Connecticut, which is actually the one that I'm going to next. That's a that's nice East coast uh, meetup. Um, Gary Khan. I won't vend at GaryCon uh, this next year, but I'll go because it, it was a lot of fun to run games at and play. Um, and you see a lot of faces, you know, see a lot of a lot of you know, fellow people from your from your community, you know, that uh, you might not get a chance to run into otherwise. Um, oh, and then TotalCon, TotalCon in Massachusetts is a wonderful little con. I say little; it's, it's probably five, six hundred people, but um, a lot of great player i had i had great games i played in great games the vending was good and the the, the folks who put on um, uh who put on the show angelina and steve uh, and their whole entire crew they're just um they're awesome they're amazing it's a cool, cool town providence is you know an hour up the road boston's an hour the other way you know you've got just a cool vibe there um and i really really enjoyed uh that con i'll definitely be going back to that one that was a lot of fun well, yeah, it's kind of nice. I mean, when you're you being on the East Coast, you know, I guess both good and bad, but it's you know, the the, the concentration of cities is much you know denser. It's like you know, as you as you move west, the you know, the cities start spreading out from each other, so it's it's yeah, right. You go to yeah, well, you're a few hours from just about every every major city, you know, on the East Coast, where here it's like you know, it just starts becoming. You know, like 
it's not terrible, but like, you know, Madison is, you know, is, is probably is reasonable. That's like three hours for lower three hours for me. Right. At least what a cool town, town that is. Madison. Great town. Yeah. It's, it is a neat town. It's just that that lake is annoying. <laughs> well, you've got, I mean, what do you got? You got Chicago, you got Milwaukee, you've got uh, Madison. And yeah. then, you know, Hey, if you really just get a wild hair, you can just go, go into Canada. <laughs> that's a haul so i when i was in um so i was in northern ireland and then somebody would say you know where are you from i'd say well uh you know two and a half hours south of like south and west but of chicago and he asked well what state are you in <laughs> the same one <laughs> yeah it just blew their mind blew their mind that you can drive and still be in the same state and i said no you you can take ireland and stick it in illinois it's about the same size yeah <laughs> one guy was like talking about he goes to florida and he's like can you just drive to florida I'm like i could <laughs> it's a 20-hour drive <laughs> <laughs> well hey I, I drove out from the east coast to, to madison this last time i'm uh, considering doing doing it again um i don't know it, 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 a lot it depends on a lot of things but um I enjoyed that drive. I, I left. Well, but you, myself you made you made that an adventure. You you I didn't did. just drive. It's not like you just drove. You're not just like you know what, you know. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna drive the next. You know, go another hundred mile. You were stopping it. You know, all the weird nods. Oh yeah, <laughs> that that is true. I mean, if you listen, if you're just gonna stop over in Chicago for a day, I mean, go to the Field Museum and go downtown and and wander around some of those quirky little weird stores. There's a thousand places to eat and cool things to see, and then just odd historical landmarks. You could really make a day out of just hanging out in Chicago and not not doing just let, letting your brain rest by just going to see cool shit. You know, there's there's a really a, 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 a call to be made for that. Yeah, I guess it's kind of sad because I do live. I mean, you know, very somewhat close to it, but I just uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't I. I've been there a number of times, but to be right, there's a lot of stuff and you can buy transit tickets that will last you all day. And you could, you could take the L's and the buses yeah. and, and just, uh, yeah, just a, just a, so, uh, years ago I had this idea, so, you know, I get these, well, you don't know, but I get these weird ideas. And so my idea was to do a, a coffee table book on the panhandlers of Chicago. Okay. So I would go up there and I would photograph panhandlers. I even have some interviews. Some of the interviews are actually on, on YouTube. Um, I would interview them. It never worked out, but um, anyway, <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting group of people dynamics. If you, like you say, if you just start looking around and start seeing things and talking to people, it's like, it's a different world. Oh man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Especially uh, if you're not from a, a densely populated area like that, you really have no clue. You know, it's just like people who are from the city really have no clue what it's like to live out in the middle of nowhere. You know, like I, I, I was from the country, but until I moved to Alaska, I really didn't know. You were in the country. <laughs> I, yeah, I really didn't know just how 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 uh, um, not barren, but how remote some stuff could get. So, um, yeah, this apples and oranges, man. Levels. <laughs> yeah, and I can, I can kind of get that because I thought driving around our area, it's 
pretty boring and remote. And I just, I went up to like North Dakota and it was like even worse. <laughs> so I can imagine Canada or Alaska being like even more so where you do have like grizzly bears walking around and uh, yeah, like, like legit. Yeah. yeah. You got to take your, your trash out for the, for the you know, at, at night at dusk and there's a black bear in the, in the dumpster, you know, like, Oh, look, there's a, a moose walking down the, <laughs> right down the road. You know, or the hey, the a porcupine just walked into our shop. You know, like, like, like literally. You know, like I, the stuff that I saw there. Like I, sometimes I tell people, or I show them a video, and they're like, "Wait, that's not off YouTube. That's just something that you saw." I was like, "Yeah, it's on my phone, man." Like, like I'm <laughs> nuts stuff. You know, especially with wildlife, and especially with like natural stuff. You know, the the northern lights and the the when the when the salmon run and all that all that stuff. Just craziness. Yeah, and I think, you know, going back, we talked earlier about travel and changing. Uh, there's times where, you know, where I've been places where I look and it's like, I, I have a hard time understanding that, like, you know, you, you get to those points where it's not like you you can't, like, cognitively understand, but there's a point where it's almost not overwhelming in a bad way, but it's almost overwhelming in a good way where, like, I really am... I just I don't understand what I'm seeing. Like I am here and the magnitude of it all is just overwhelming. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got that a lot. We end up, uh, we didn't know how bad it was going to be. We, we ended up climbing the highest mountain in, in, uh, <laughs> in Northern Ireland on a kind of a whim. Uh, I had a little bit of uh, wheat and bread with me and uh <clears throat> You know, it was it was a pretty difficult climb. It was it was pretty difficult, and, and you get up there, and the wind is just is just blowing like forty miles an hour constantly. You're in a cloud. It's just blowing and blowing, and you're just like, I've never experienced anything like. I've been in snowstorms. I've been in the wind, but pretty cool. Down in a yeah, and I'm just like, <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm, I, I, there's people around me there's a there's a wall that goes on for miles and miles and miles of stone wall that's that goes on and on these people built i, I don't know how and people are leaning against to get away from the wind it's just whipping and never stopping and just like this is just awe-inspiring you know? it sounds like you you visited skyrim dude <laughs> oh man yeah it's just there's some really crazy stuff. It's just a beautiful place, but, but yeah, you, you go places and you visit and same thing going out the desert, you know, you know, hmm. like, you know, just go to a different place and you're like, I, the magnitude of this, the colors, the, you know, the majesty or whatever it may be, but yeah, California and Nevada were like that. Yeah. But then I'm sure it's like, you know, I used to wonder too, it's like, you know, the, the cliche is people from Japan, you know, coming to Disney world. You know, and taking pictures, you know, their cameras or you know, these tourists. But I thought, you know, it is kind of true. We go somewhere and we take all these pictures, and it, it, we see our the where we live as being mundane. Yeah, <laughs> no, true, absolutely true, absolutely true. <laughs> and people come from the other way; they're like, "This is exotic." <laughs> I, I was. So I was, we, we left, um, we took a bus, we went to, um, coming back from Newcastle, and uh, <clears throat> sat next to a woman, and I, I, I remarked just, you know, how beautiful the countryside was, and she's like, I've my life, I've never considered it beautiful. <laughs> it's just like, 
and it's just kind of funny. It's like I think that's what that's what the crime is that we can live in the in this of beauty and just we we just don't see it. No, hundred percent. I uh, I got a youngster who's uh, stirring around upstairs. I can hear him. <laughs> it was good talking to you, man. All righty, and uh, we'll we'll talk again soon. If, if not, nothing else, we'll be seeing each other in a few months. Yeah, man. Anytime. I like I said, you're one of you're one of my favorite shows to be on. So, any anytime you wanna you wanna chit chat, man, give me a holler. Hey, sounds great. All right, man. Later. 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 Later.